0: everything okay? Whenever you shop Meijer, you shop for your entire community. You help support food rescue programs and Simply Give. You help keep your neighbors well with vaccinations, free prescriptions, and mobile medicine. And you help support sports teams across the Midwest. Whenever you shop Meijer, you help people in your community to work, to play, to live, and to learn. Thanks for shopping with us. Learn more at Meijer.com. At Freedom Mortgage, freedom means helping veterans achieve their home financing goals. Whatever freedom means to you, Freedom Mortgage has custom loan options to meet your needs, making home financing a custom fit. That's freedom. Visit freedommortgage.com forward slash VA to learn more. Freedom Mortgage Corporation, MLS number 2767, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org, 951 Yamato Road, Boca Raton, Florida, 33431, 800-220-3333. Licensed in all 50 states. For complete licensing information, visit www.freedommortgage.com forward slash state dash licensing. Equal housing opportunity. What's up, everybody? It's your boy B. Scott with the Philadelphia Eagles. I just want to thank you all for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave a five-star rating. Fly, Eagles, fly.
1: thanks for tuning in to Eagles Brawl of the Brawl Network. However, you're tuning in iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or YouTube. We greatly appreciate you listening today. Joining me to right now is FantasyGurus.com. Tyler uh great writer. I always follow your opinion, and especially during the time, especially during this time, I think I'm going to even lean on more fantasy advice because such we don't we don't know what's going to happen with this pandemic going on and. Uh, I can only imagine what this does for fantasy projections this year and how it does when you're looking at teams and trying to break down uh, all the projections and stuff like that. Like, has, it, has the pandemic hindered anything so far for you when when running about fantasy right now? Uh, well, thanks for having me on, Connor. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll just say like right off the bat,
2: it definitely impacts the way we view rookies. Uh, we're going to see a lot of rookies and guys that are newly acquired on new teams. I think they'll have slower transitions and – they might start the season off slowly, but they could pick it up in the second half. I think that's going to be the biggest hurdle that we, we see fantasy-wise.
1: Right, because let's just roll into the well, – I'm going to make this the first question now since you pretty much just hit on majority of what I'm going to ask there. I, I think all eyes are on Jalen Rager and how he's going to be in the Eagles offense his rookie year with, like we said, the pandemic going on in the transition. But uh, I do want to highlight Aaron Moorhead, the new Eagles wide receivers coach, played with his father, Monty Rager, in Indianapolis – uh, Monterey Graves played for the Philadelphia Eagles. So there's already, I feel like there's already like at least a background there that most rookie wide receivers aren't going to have with their team. And now he's already working out with Carson Wentz in Houston too. So knowing how the Eagles are a wide receiver, knowing that Deshaun Jackson is probably primed to miss some time this year, no matter what Uh Alshon Jeffrey, I would assume starts on the PUP. You have to see with the talent already being not there as is, I know they added Marquise Goodwin, uh, I guess we touched on that a little bit later, but you uh, looks like there's going to be some targets his way, no matter what his rookie year at least. And I know that rookie wide receivers especially takes a little bit for them to get into adjustment into the mid season. We usually wait for them to really fancy boom then. But with way the Eagles are going to wide receiver, I would argue they need to see him early. So given all the context of the situation, because I'm a person when I look at fantasy, I put situation more into it than I do analytics. When you look at the situation now that I described, do you like Jalen Rieger's prospects with the Eagles this year for fantasy projection-wise? Yeah, I think there's definitely a lot
2: of potential there. Uh, I think in general we're going to see a lot of these rookies struggle, as we just alluded to. Uh, There's just so many outside factors going on in the world right now. Like we're recording this mid-June. There's still three months until week one officially kicks off. But there's a lot that can change between now and then. Having some kind of rapport with the wide receivers coach and working out with Wentz is definitely a boon in his like in the positive direction for him. When it comes to Rager specifically, though, I think he's definitely a guy you want to keep your eye on in terms of fantasy potential. He's currently going as the wide receiver 54 in Fanball's best ball draft setup. That's an average draft position in the 12th round. That's like wide receiver 5 territory. And when you're looking for wide receivers that are in that kind of uh, stratosphere, like your wide receiver five guys that are going to be on your fantasy bench, you're really hunting for upside there. And I think that's something that Rager absolutely provides. Like, he thrives at TCU as a vertical receiver and in the return game. Uh, we've seen historically players that do really well as a return specialist that thrive on special teams translate really well to the NFL level where that open field ability to make defenders miss translates really well uh, to offensive skill position players. And we saw Rager do that at a super young age. He was beating up Big 12 competition when he was an 18-year-old freshman. Terrific yards per route run numbers for uh, his sophomore year. Then we got even more involved in the offense. And that's one of PFF's most predictive statistics to identify future success. Guys that excel in the yards per route run category. And the Eagles need playmakers on the outside. They're top 10 in vacated targets from last year. And targets are the lifeblood of fantasy football, especially at the receiver position. 128 targets unaccounted for from last year. And I think we see Rager pick up a good chunk of those. Uh, the one thing I want to mention about Rager that I'm sure you've discussed at length with after the Eagles drafted him is that we should definitely not take too much stock in his 2019 collegiate stat lines. Like It was one of the worst quarterbacks thrown to him. Mm-hmm. PFF charted 30.7% of his targets as catchable, lowest rank in this year's class. So definitely take – that 2019 stat line and just kind of like put it in the background and focus more on what he did in 2018 and 2017. Like we're probably going to need an injury to Deshaun Jackson or Alshon Jeffrey in order to see Rager hit his ceiling. But I mean, he's got a very capable quarterback in Carson Lance. could definitely see him be one of those rookies that emerges down the stretch, especially towards the back half of the season as a producer for fantasy squads.
1: Right. That's what I'm, Hitting on really, I think he's going to be a producer sooner rather than later. Just because I think also you have to factor into it, he saw his dad play in the NFL, so he knows what it takes, like the preparation that goes into it. Uh, That's important for me, especially for a rookie to already know that lesson and know his expectations to going into the league. Mm -hmm. I think that's huge. And then another point I want to bring up is once his deep ball continues to get better year after year to the point where it was ninth in accuracy terms last year, uh, in terms of twenty-one yard, uh, twenty-one plus yards thrown. A lot of it was incompletions, but that were accredited to the wide receivers. This is the opportunity where I really see Rager and I, I really want to go back to his 2018 season where he a lot of people want to say his hands are iffy, but I thought in 2018 when he saw I think well 131 targets, he only dropped four passes. So I I'm not really worried about that. I, I think you're gonna see a guy around like probably like I want to say how Odell started out his rookie year with the injury that slowed him, which we can allude that to like the pandemic, maybe when he started hitting his fantasy stride, it was around the, I want to say like week six. I just remember that Falcons game where Odell scored like three touchdowns out of nowhere, two touchdowns out of nowhere his rookie year. And then everybody started taking notice for him back fantasy wise and he just took off. Am I crazy for thinking that Rager could be that type of, playmaker or wide receiver this year in the first round, uh, to be that guy that comes into the middle of the season just booms and you have to consider him as a flex or a wide receiver too at least?
2: Yeah, I think we could definitely see that occur. Uh, we know that Wentz isn't a guy that likes to check down in time. Like, he's an aggressive baller. like He's a baller in every aspect of the term, and that's what makes him so fun to watch to me. Uh, so I think we'll see a guy like Rager who can win deep. Uh, he's incredibly good at separating. And you see it like in his cuts, you see it off the line of scrimmage. Like those traits, I think, are going to translate really well to the next level. And there's just going to be a lot of opportunity for him where not, not I don't think we're going to see many rookie wide receivers be fantasy viable this upcoming year, but Rager is definitely one of them.
1: Right. And that the huge thing you just hit on there is a the separator. The Eagles have not had that really in Wentz's errors besides Torrey Smith, uh, consistently. So at this point, uh, I, I like his prospects in 12 personnel with Deshaun Ertz and Goddard out there. I think that's really plays that the defense isn't going to be focusing on him as much where he's going to thrive on just like Goddard does in the situations when the defense is paying attention to Ertz. So mm-hmm. I, I like his fancy upside a lot. I don't know how, because I know you were really high on Jalen Rager too, when we were talking about on pre-draft, but uh, I, I, you couldn't travel a better position for him where he got drafted in my opinion. But Another guy that we got to talk about in the Eagles' offense who is huge fantasy traction is Miles Sanders. I you go back and you look at Christian McCaffrey's rookie season where I would argue they are comparable to the fact that McCaffrey had Jonathan Stewart eating to his carries, which I would say at at paces throughout the year it was Jordan Howard when he was healthy was in the similar type of role. Cam Newton was also running, running the ball, so you can allude like once running the ball mixed with Boston Scott in there eating to, uh, Miles Sanders carries. I would argue their rookie years were almost identical, and Sanders had 241 more yards from scrimmage. Can you can you envision where you have to say, "Hey, maybe you need to consider Miles Sanders in the first round"? I, I know it sounds crazy because I, I think a lot of people are either like, either you're really high on Sanders for fantasy, or you're you're just taking uh, his rookie year and you're way overreacting with it. But uh, they haven't signed a veteran back. I know Doug favors the committee approach, but it looks like it's going to be 75-25. Uh, Sanders and Scott, it looks like from starting right now, and I mean, I would argue their cap space isn't good enough for them to even bring in a veteran back at this point, so uh, am I crazy for thinking it's time to uh, buy the stock on Sanders and, hey, consider him in, like, maybe 9 to 12 range in the first round? Yeah, I mean, you can even argue earlier, and
2: some high-stakes leagues, I've seen him go as early as number 3. That feels a little lofty, but if we look back a year from now, maybe it's not. Like, he could find himself at gear's end in that like top five, top six running back category, and I wouldn't be shocked at all. I'm anticipating a huge year two leap for him. We saw the touches pick up as the season progressed. A lot of that was due to Jordan Howard's injury, but I mean, he merited on his own as well. For weeks thirteen through sixteen, he averaged twenty three point three touches per game. That's the final month of the fantasy year when uh, teams really needed him, fantasy owners really needed him, and he ended up being just one of ten backs over the past twenty years to post fifty or more receptions as a rookie. That's what I really like about Sanders, that receiving ability, and that's what drives this fantasy value. Targets are worth 2.75 times more valuable than a rushing carry in full PPR systems. So we love to target those backs that have uh, dual-purpose ability in terms of receiving the ball out of the backfield. It just gives multiple options to accrue fantasy points, and I think Sanders is one of those backs that can do that. We also have like this notion, which is where the ADP comes into question, uh, that Philadelphia operates out of a committee backfield. And, I mean, if you look solely at the running backs that they've had in recent history under Doug Peterson, like Jordan Howard, Wendell Smallwood, Corey Clement, Josh Adams, Darren Sproles, LeGarrette Blount, none of those backs are really bell cow mm-hmm. uh, guys you want to target. Jay Ajayi was probably the closest that they had, but, I mean, there were a ton of health and injury concerns there. So he never really achieved that role. Sanders, on the other hand, I think he's the first true three-down back that the Eagles can heavily deploy. His first year, he had 229 touches as a rookie. No back under the Doug Peterson era has eclipsed that 200 touch mark, and we're projecting, excuse me, Sanders to exceed that value in 2020. Uh, there's a good shot for 300 plus touches. And um, Like you said, it's just Boston Scott's takeaway touches. We saw a lot of uh, older veteran backs tied to the Eagles, but nothing really came to fruition there. I guess the only back left that you should worry about would be Devonta Freeman only because he can take away rushing and receiving snaps, which is where Sanders gets most of his value through that receiving work. Uh, But I mean, if we see a 75 25 split with Sanders and Scott and they don't grab anybody, absolutely. First round potential. I like him in the back half of the first round, kind of where Joe Mixon and Derrick Henry are going. I think Sanders could rival those guys as uh, one of those backs that, could potentially be a top six back by the end of the year.
1: Yeah, I mean you hit on exactly why I think so. It's the dual threat purpose. And the reason why I brought up Christian McCaffrey. I'm not saying Miles Sanders is as good as Christian McCaffrey at many means. I'm saying because Miles Sanders was the Eagles' best vertical threat last year, which is insane for a running back of – especially a rookie one at that, to play that well and be such a vertical element to the game. And now you look at all the speed they added, you can only imagine the receiving opportunities he's going to get uh, in the deep passing yards uh, game too. So – to me, I'm buying all the stock on Miles Sanders. I draft him as high. – I'm definitely targeting him in the first round. I think the Eagles at this point have to look back in their LaShawn McCoy era and treat it the same way, like 2014 when they had McCoy and Sproles. Because uh, Scott's usage no matter what, I, I like the role they're going to carve out for him, but it doesn't take away my fantasy relevance with uh, Miles Sanders. It doesn't eat into his fantasy projection at all. You have to have some type of back on the field at some point. But I think the Eagles are in a position where they could even – put Clement at the end of the death chart, put uh Michael Warren or Adrian Coates at the end of the depth chart and have a successful rushing attack no matter what with uh Sanders involved. Huge year two leap for him. I'm glad you're on the same page as me as well that I see some people on I see fancy Twitter either says temper your expectations, this is how the Eagles do stuff that something's gonna happen, or uh some people are just like, yeah, you need to take him right away in the first round. So I I'm definitely on the the first round side so I'm glad you are too. But Another guy that I, we can talk about, Zach Hertz, but I think we already know he's a primary target for fantasy tight ends. And either if you're not taking Kelsey, you're not taking Kill, you're probably taking Hurts. So I, I, don't, I think everybody knows that by now. But uh, for me, it's Dallas Goddard. I wonder what his ADP is now with all the speed the Eagles have added. Uh, I think he's never experienced that. So it opens up way more opportunities for him to expose the holes in zone coverage, uh, get the weaker link on him. You look at what Prince Selleck and Trey Burton did in 2017, and the Eagles don't really have that. That third tight end is Josh Perkins, who I don't think plays a fantasy relevance here. Uh, You can really envision a really, really strong uh, touchdown year for Goddard, in my opinion. So what do you think on that one?
2: Yeah, the question for me is going to be, like, volatility. Like, fantasy football is a week-to-week game. We need to approach it like that. Like, I think when you look back at the year Dallas Goddard had last year, he had – 87 targets, 58 receptions, 670 yards, and five touchdowns. Each one of those marks ranked second on the Eagles behind only Ertz, and it led to Goddard finishing as the fantasy tight end 10. I'm not sure if how active you've been in drafts so far, but like they've kind of been divided in the haves and the have-nots with like several tiers emerging at the position, like tier one being Kelsey and Kittle. They're typically going round two. Tier two is Ertz and Mark Andrews. They're typically going round four. Tier three of Darren Waller, Evan Ingram, Tyler Higbee, Hunter Henry. Those are around six to eight. And then once you get to tier four, it's pretty much no man's land with about 10 different tight ends all vying to get inside that like top 12 fantasy producer finish. And there's only 20 picks that separate the tight end nine from the tight end 16. So they're all going close together in this cluster. And Goddard's right in that mix at tight end 15 right now. Again, remember, he finished last year's tight end 10. So he's going a little bit behind where he finished last year. And I think a good question here is how you project the Eagles to play offensively, like a chicken versus egg debate. Did the Eagles run their heavy 12 personnel last year, 52% of the time, a league-leading rate, because of it was the most effective way they moved the ball, or was it because out of necessity when all those injuries they faced through the wideout? Like I remember Josh McCown asking for wide receiver reps at one point just because they were so low at healthy wideouts and needed a body there. Um, I mean, Either way, it led to Wentz targeting the tight end 38.9% of the time. Only the Ravens targeted the tight ends more. So there's definitely like a lot of meat on the bone for Ertz and Goddard to succeed. I just question the week-to-week uh, output you'll get from Goddard. Uh, I, I just think it's going to be a little bit more – Variable than most fantasy owners want, almost Eagles fans want. I'll say that. Uh, I think it's going to be a much better served as like a, a best ball option where you only get those good weeks plugged into your lineup.
1: See, for me, I think they had to put their best players on the field, and uh, you at this point you still have to say, God, it's their second best receiving weapon on that team because I can't count on Deshaun at this point. Uh, we can't count on Alshon, and even if we did, you, you already know the deep decline he's already going in right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Another so guy another, that
2: I, you see another year of heavy twelve personnel. Then,
1: I yeah I do because okay. I you have to have your best players on the field and this I mean I know they added speed but like we said we have to temper the expectations with rookies and most of their speeds coming from rookies and good Mar- when Goodwin doesn't have a strong bill of health either and we haven't seen a consistent season from him in a long time either. Uh, I, I I don't see how they can shy away from it. I mm-hmm. see that they have more options now. Yes. you can okay. say, But I don't see how they can shy away from it And you just can't keep Goddard off the field uh, they, Too much draft capital there to keep him off the field Too much invested in him in the offense to keep him off the field He could be numerous teams number one tight end right now So I, sure. they, they can't keep him off the field So I, I think it's going to be around the, the I don't want to say 52% I think it's going to be a little bit lower Just because they have to put some of these guys The speed guys on the field at, at all times Everybody's got to be speed for the four wide receiver sets, I would think they're going to take advantage of this year. I still want to say it's around 49, 48 at least percent that they run total personnel. So uh, that's why I'm trying to see if you, what you think about that. Because, I mean, we did see in 2017, I thought Burton really, that's when we all started getting to know Trey Burton. That's when the Chicago Bears started eyeing Trey Burton. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Brent Selick was in, involved too. And well, it, it was really a red zone opportunities, but he was still involved. That's, I'm trying to think, like maybe he had five touchdowns last year. If it goes because I can just remember so many times watching all 22 film on the Eagles and their red zone opportunities that Wentz just misses Goddard wide open in the end zone. So I wouldn't be surprised if he scores around eight to 10 touchdowns. I think it can happen. I think it's a really possibility with all the speed they have added.
2: Yeah, it's definitely gonna be interesting. Like you said, uh, I think the biggest question is how much, or if they even do reduce their uh, two tight end sets, because 20% 20% was the league average last year. Only three teams were above 30%. So, like, them getting that 50% benchmark is just ridiculously high. Uh, but it just comes down to the weapons, and I think we'll see Peterson go to what works. Uh, I think I'm with you there. But like I said, for regular redraft leagues, I think mm-hmm. you're playing with fire if you're trying to wait for Goddard. I'd probably be a little bit more aggressive and try to, to get one of those like top four tight ends.
1: I I agree with you for sure there. I, I deeply agree with that. But uh, it's just – there's so many times where you get stuck in the wide receivers and you're drafting that. You want to have that two running back uh, mm-hmm. thing where you get to the point where you're like, crap, man, I don't – there's no tight ends left on the board. We're, who should I go with? I, I mean, at that point, I'm guessing what – what is Hayden Hurst out of curiosity? Where, where where are we projecting Hayden Hurst right now if you know? Uh, I believe he's I in it.
2: that mix. He's, I think he's tight end, like, 11 or so right
1: now. 11? Well, wow, I thought he would a little bit higher than that because Matt Rodgers. Tight, tight end 11, yep. So, okay, if I'm in that area, then that's probably the guy I'm going to take over Dallas Goddard, obviously, because of the, the, the snaps he's looking at. But, I mean, we'll see because you would think with the Eagles, I, I don't know how much you are with uh, sets and everything, but you would think how they're not really settled at the X wide receiver position uh, JJr Sega Whiteside. I don't, obviously know fancy relevance this year. He's going to be a waiver wire pickup if he even shows anything. Uh, maybe they move with all this because I look at it years past. Nelson Aguilar can only perform well in the slot. Jordan Matthews can only perform well in the slot. They always couldn't mismatch and put guys in different spots now. Now I'm thinking you're going to see Deshaun in the slot. Now I'm thinking you're going to see Rager in the slot. Maybe Goodwood if he makes the team in the slot. Maybe you move Ertz in the slot and also play him at the X position so that I would assume increases targets. Where are you putting Ertz in the Kittle-Kelsey conversation, Mark Andrews conversation? I know that you said he's in Tier 2, but where are you personally with thinking now the Eagles have all this speed that Ertz obviously needs to get the stuff underneath and he's been struggling to get the last two years? What What's going through your mind with this one? So it, you're looking at Kelsey's prospects. I would probably say, in my opinion, Kelsey number one. Kittle, I have to still keep number two no matter what. Uh, it's just the San Francisco's offense. I can't – I would argue maybe make Kittle number one and Kelsey number two. But I would still say it's is number three no matter what on that board. Uh, are you on the same page with that, or do you think um you can put him a little higher than those guys?
2: Uh, I think he's a lot closer to Andrews than he is to Kelsey and Kittle. Kelsey and Kittle mm-hmm. are both going easily in the round two of drafts that I've been doing. Andrews and Ertz, they're back in round four, but they're only separated by four picks on average. So they're going pretty much neck and neck. The way I'm viewing it is if you're playing in a tight end premium league where you get 1.5 PPR receptions for the tight end position, that's when I target Ertz over Andrews because I view Ertz as – a guy that will see a lot more receptions, and that's where it Mm -hmm. pays off in spades. Andrews is going to see a lot of that volume vacated by Hayden Hurst. I think he has a good shot at double-digit touchdowns as well. Uh, I like him in other formats, uh, all other formats. But if you're playing in the tight end premium, I'd use that as the tiebreaker between Hurst and Andrews. I think that's going to be an interesting ADP battle as we move through the offseason. I
1: agree with you there. And now let's just roll into it. I'll talk about him first, and then we'll get into Marquise Goodwin after him. Deshaun Jackson, I know last year was tough, but we saw what week one happened. And you would have to think if he's healthy for at least 12 games and he plays like he did week one, we're looking at a big year from Deshaun Jackson.
2: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Week one was a lot of fun, especially if you played him in any kind of like deal. I
1: did. I started him. I went went to that game and I was like, you know, I'm going to start Deshaun because I went to this game in my flex. And whoop!
2: Absolutely. Yeah, he has great history and splits against former teams. He loves that revenge narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, his age and his injury concerns it's caused him to slide down to round 13 of drafts. That's around after Rager right now. Uh, there's a lot of concerns with Deshaun Jackson, though. He's played 15 or more games just once over the past five years. He scored more than 20 fantasy points just seven times in those 53 games during that five-year span. So we're not seeing those ceiling games – on a routine basis. I mean, they're fun when they occur,
1: but right. Way more bust than boom with Deshaun Jackson in fantasy right now.
2: I mean, at this point I'll continue to root for him on Sundays. Cause he's so fun to watch, but I won't be taking him in any of your typical redraft leagues. I think you just save him for DFS or for best ball.
1: I would definitely agree. With the DFS part for sure. I, it's way too much. Buster been with him. I, I completely agree. I, I, that's why I do like regular prospects more than I do. Like Deshaun's this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, good when, is a flyer guy for sure. Yeah. Uh, Nothing more than that. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't. Yeah. I we don't even have to go way more into him than that. I mean, nice speed and all, but yeah, I, I don't know if you noticed a lot of Eagles Twitter loves him. And I'm like, uh, I'm not even sure he makes the team right now. Like, I, I I'm glad they added speed and mm-hmm. I'm glad they added a veteran if they need one. Cause we saw where we, the Eagles been at since Torrey Smith left with speed position. But, uh, I don't think he has any fantasy relevance going into the fantasy draft this year either, and maybe a filler in for one week with all your wide receivers on the buy. I don't know. Uh, Yeah, I don't think anything of him either this year. But Carson Wentz, uh, we saw what he did in 2017. Didn't even play a full season with the the offense the way it was constructed then. On paper, with all the playmaking they've added with the addition, excuse me, with already having – Ertz and Goddard, who already know how great of tight ends they are. Even if you get Deshaun for about 70, 65% of the snaps this this year, that looks like a pretty big year for uh, Carson Wentz production-wise. What are you looking – what is his fantasy prospects to you? Yeah, absolutely. That 2017
2: season, he was second in fantasy points per dropback. Dude, absolutely lit it up. He's been top 10 fantasy producer in two of the last three years. He wasn't in 2018 – uh, but he plays behind one of the league's top offensive lines. They prioritize adding speed, as we've talked about throughout this pod. Definitely used to help spread defenses vertically and let those tight ends and backs operate underneath. I think this Eagles offense is also one that's going to be up in pace. They were number one in plays for a game last year, and they passed the ball at an above-average clip, especially when they're in like situation-neutral game scripts. Those are games within plus or minus eight points. That could lead to a significant amount of volume for Wentz. And When he last had those healthy receivers in 2017, when he was like, a near MVP candidate prior to injury. He had 20 plus fantasy points in 10 of 13 starts. Like the guy just lights it up at such a high floor, such a high ceiling. And he checks the most important box in fantasy in terms of value. He's coming off the board right now as the fantasy QB nine. That's right in round 10. That lets you load up at the skill position players with your first nine picks. And then you turn into a quarterback like Wentz with a sky high potential. He's one of my favorite value plays right now at the QB position just because he provides such a great floor and ceiling combination, not many players at that ADP provide what Wentz can do.
1: And injuries don't concern you?
2: No. If you have an injury, you can just hit the waiver wire for a replacement. Uh, never, I agree you. I'm not a fan of ever backing up a quarterback in fantasy. Oh,
1: never mind. I never do it. There's, it's a waste of a roster spot. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I agree with that 100%. But am I crazy for thinking that he can throw at least – Forty-two touchdowns. That's a, lot. <laughs> that's a lot. I know that is a lot, but if he stayed healthy, that's uh, seventeen. He was on pace, I think, forty. So
2: he has one of the best
1: red zone touchdown rates too. Like. Exactly. Yeah, I love his red zone touchdown rates, and I mean, with I know the Eagles have been a productive running team under Doug Peterson with b- below average running backs up to the point of Miles Sanders now, but. With that rushing attack, that's probably going to finish within the top five, I would imagine, at, least, at the very least top ten. I like those red zone opportunities, picking up a lot more for Wentz and obviously we already know he thrives in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, anybody else you have your eye on for the Eagles offense this year? Boss and
2: Scott, if you're playing like a risky zero RB approach where you're just hoping for late backs to emerge because – we talked about it. It's pretty much going to be the Sanders show. If Sanders gets injured, Boston Scott could do what we saw him do week 17 and through the playoffs. Uh, the guy has a lot of potential. Uh, really, really like his receiving skill set. If you're looking for a back to get in the double-digit rounds as like your RB five, uh, I think Boston Scott could be someone to the stash.
1: He's gonna be a vulture, I think, for sure, because they do like him around the goal line, and I don't see that role disappearing anytime soon because. You look at Darren Sproul's role the last couple of years of the Eagles when Doug Peterson has him and he is the – It's the short yardage stuff. It's the bruising stuff, the the, uh, the goal line opportunities. I, I That's the only thing that I worry about with Miles Sanders if the rushing touchdowns might not be all the way there with Sanders because Scott's going to come in and get those goal line opportunities and Volsham away. So that does have some fantasy upside to me. But uh, just from your perspective go back go back last year since we're, we're talking about wide receiver rookie wide receivers now we talked about rager go back last year what was your mind thinking of jjr sega whiteside going into that season before we saw what obviously was a very very disappointing rookie season what was your thought process for him last year and do you think he could get back to that point this year with maybe being healthy maybe being more adjusted to the because i mean i i think you and i both know pac-12 wide receivers have a tough transition normally to the NFL. Uh, Just what, what do you think?
2: Yeah. I remember entering the league that he was renounced for his contested catch ability. Mm -hmm. And there's a two sides to that. Uh, The first being it's great that he's able to win those 50, 50 jump balls and uh, come down with the balls when defenders are close by. The second part is why are those defenders so close? Is he unable to gain that separation and, the little nuances of being a receiver to uh, extend and get the ball away from the defender, and uh, that, that's the lingering issue I have is I think that's a physical uh, trait that's not quite there yet for Arcego Whiteside, and it, I'm not going to be approaching him in fantasy whatsoever this year.
1: Yeah, no, I wouldn't at all. So that's my problem. What I had with him coming in, I said, yeah, that's nice and all that he wins jump ball opportunities, but in the NFL, that's completely different, especially considering the Pac-12 that barely plays press coverage as is. The fact that he was getting all these jump ball opportunities in that conference made me think, like, uh, I'm not really sure about this guy. Nice mm. nice stats in the Pac-12 that plays mostly zone, and you're telling me he's so great in this jump ball opportunity. He came in the NFL, and those opportunities weren't coming that his way that easily as they were at Stanford. I, a lot of people kill me on Twitter for being so down on him. But, yeah, there's no way I can here i this year. I don't, even, I don't think he's going to pan out. Uh, yeah. I just don't I – don't, I don't think that's the type of wide receiver that lasts in this type of NFL. I mean, I don't know if you remember Riley Cooper, our old friend back from Florida on there. But I think that's the type of wide receiver he is, and that's the type of caliber wide receiver he is. But, yeah, no fantasy relevance for me whatsoever this year. But I'm sure some people want to figure out what you thought about him going into year two. But – Temporary expectations. (laughs) Yeah, I would – I mean, you already know my opinion about it. I don't know. He had a growing opportunity last year with all those injuries and the fact that – that's the most frustrating part. I'm glad you said that because a lot of people want to give him, like, slack for that. Uh, He had to learn – they're like, so he had to learn so many positions. But I'm thinking, what NFL wide receivers are asked to play multiple positions. That's how the league works. That's how they want to make the league work. That's how mismatches work. That's how opportunities come. I don't think that's a valid excuse and then I mean, you could say injuries, but I don't know the situation. All I know is he was healthy enough to play and they addressed him. I just – I don't know what to think of J.J. White whiteside at this point, and I don't think the Eagles are really leaning on him that much either. Requiring four wide receivers, even if they're a different skill set than him, doesn't mean they won't get rid of him for them. Uh, have you – have you paid attention to any of John Hightower and Quez Watkins? Not a ton. Just uh,
2: they just haven't approached the fantasy radar, and that's kind of where my mindset is right
1: now. Right, and I mean, I I wouldn't expect them to with being low uh, end round picks. But I mean, the one guy I probably said that I mentioned there that I could see maybe having some fantasy relevance if relevance if anybody gets injured, uh, probably be John Hightower because he reminds me so much of John Brown, and I mean. Vertical threats, speed threats are always fun to have on your st- stash or your fantasy bench. So uh, maybe if injuries happen like they did last year or something happens like that. But uh, when Alshon, let's just – for argument's sake, let's just say he starts on PUP and he comes back mid midseason. I obviously, you don't start him right away or even consider putting him in your starting lineup. He's, got, he's probably going to be a free agent anyways. Do you think, like, hey, maybe there's some chance, like, with all the speed I added and all everybody's being focused on Goddard Hurts and Deshaun and Rager's going off at of this time, maybe Alshon comes in and gets some kind of fantasy production? Because we did see when they played Miami a glimpse of when they go pass heavy what Alshon can benefit from. Uh, anything on that? Uh, he's just
2: a really risky pick right mm-hmm. now. Uh, wide receiver 64 right now. So most drafters are not really that interested in him. He's going as a wide receiver six uh, for some kind of perspective there. It, I don't know, to be honest. And there, there's just so many questions mark, question marks with him and his health as well. He's another guy who has rarely put together full healthy seasons. It's been like, I think, five plus seasons for him as well since he's played 16 games. So it's not a guy that... I want to invest in just because his – I think the cliff for his t- archetype of wide receiver is uh, a steep one, and I think he's kind of already there.
1: Last thing before we let you go that I want to just touch on, that, not from really a fantasy perspective because I, 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 don't, know, I don't know if you have, like, fun with thinking this type of stuff in your head like I do, but the Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round. Everybody sitting there, like, jaw-dropped, like, what? I I can't back it up. I can't I can't even say it was a good pick. I thought it was the wrong move. I still do to this day. But immediately the reports come out that they want to use him in a Taysom Hill type role. I know you're not people are now that we get to have Taysom Hill in the flex, I guess, now is the big thing for fantasy, but is there any way you're sitting here thinking the Eagles can use Jalen Hurts in that same way? So
2: I think he has Incredible upside. Like, if a team wants to devote all of their resources, they'll have to go, like, all in on it. Similar to what we saw the Ravens do with Lamar Jackson. They were still in that Joe Flacco year, his uh, his rookie season, and he didn't really get to play until the very end. Uh, but that offseason, they transitioned fully into a Lamar-first offense, and I think that's what we're going to need to see Jalen Hurts thrive. He doesn't have that elite processing speed. He has a longer wind-up for, like, deeper throws but he also has ridiculous upside in terms of fantasy potential to join that cohort of like cam newton and lamar jackson just guys that produce a ton of rushing production on the ground and i really really like this guy i was just really upset to see him go to a place where there was already an established quarterback like quince
1: right i was I, I yeah i don't i don't hate the player i hate the pick because it just doesn't i don't see where you ever get your worth from that second round pick that premium pick back in Jalen Hurts uh, but if Wentz goes down you look back at when the Eagles were running the RPOs heavily with Nick Foles and the Chip Kelly type concepts if you were to say because now I can tell that you're really in on Jalen Hurts and you know what you're talking about with him can you imagine him and his mobility running that RPO type system the way Nick Foles did though can you imagine that Wheels up. It's going to be fun. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. That, I think it would be great. I, I mean, you look at Alabama where you could really go back to that uh, the RPO type thing. Given the NFL caliber uh, wide receiver, I mean, he did have it there too. But you know what I mean. And then oh, – I can't imagine. Do you yeah. – let's just – for for fun. Do you think if Wentz comes down they switch the whole RPO type system, they build the off – like they do complete offensive – in mind of Jalen Hurts and his ability, do you think they can still win?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Eagles have arguably some of the most athletic offensive linemen. Like, these guys mm-hmm. can definitely move out in space and pull and trap and do all that kind of stuff. I think there's a lot of potential if Hurts were to see extended time and not just like be a uh, fourth quarter fill in. Like, for him to get in the groove and like play a full game, play a couple games, I think he could do some serious damage. And we might not see lofty passing totals, but. Uh, I think we could still see a lot of points on the board by the Eagles as they have a ridiculous amount of potential, and they have a lot of skill position players too for Hertz to target.
1: All right, then just to end this on Hertz, and we'll end the show here, you, I want to go back in time when – because they brought Marnie and Morning Wing back, and you have to think there has to be some reason why they want his voice in the room. There has to be some reason why they think using a second-round pick on Hertz will end up being worth it. You look at Morning Wing when he's on the Eagles staff and they had and McNabb at the same time and they tried to do the Wildcats stuff and didn't really work, I would say. Then you go back to when Joe Flacco, his last year as a starter, and you brought up with Lamar coming in a little bit. It was kind of the same thing, and who's the culprit being behind those plays? Morning Wing again there as well. Do you think, like, hey, maybe the Eagles insert Hurts on the field at the same time as Wentz at any point in the year? Yeah, I just
2: don't think it will be very effective.
1: Yeah, I don't think it will be. It just ruins the pace. Absolutely. Right? That's what I hated about it in, 2000, in 2009 when they did that. I hate it. Just completely killed drives. It was ruined the pace of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm hoping that's not what they're thinking again. But I just think they love they love that element of surprise and they love their quarterbacks. Yeah, I think it's just a
2: case of them, like, outsmarting themselves. Like, we see with the Saints all the time with Taysom Hill and they get in the red zone and – it doesn't always translate to touchdowns. And I think we could see that same thing falter for the Eagles. If they try to heavily use Hertz as that kind of weapon, Uh, I think it'd just be a lot smarter to use Wentz and let him rack up the scores.
1: I agree with you, but Ty bigger and and fancy com. Anything else you want to add? So tell us where we can find your work so we can subscribe. I already have, I've been having a subscription the last two years, so we're all good there, but let's everybody else know about it. So Because I got a lot of information about the Eagles, but there's a lot more than just the Eagles you do. So go ahead and give everybody uh, where we can find you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'm over at fantasyguru.com. We just launched our 2020 Fantasy Football Draft Guide. It's a digital version where we continuously update with more and more links as the offseason progresses, add more and more information. So when you compare it to like your typical hardcover magazine that's printed out in the month of May or June – and it's already outdated a month later. Uh, we'll continue to update our draft guide as things go on. Um, plenty of good content there. Really proud of the work we're doing. And uh, come check us out. Hi
1: right, Tyler, I greatly appreciate you coming on the Eagles Brawl. You were on me with Justin on football podcast too when we did that little mock draft. You killed it then. You killed it now. Hot uh, to have you on during the season so we can get some should I start him, should I bench him type of things going on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Thank you for having me. Of course, Tyler. Thanks for coming on.
0: At Freedom Mortgage, freedom means helping veterans achieve their home financing goals. Whatever freedom means to you, Freedom Mortgage has custom loan options to meet your needs, making home financing a custom fit. That's freedom. Visit freedommortgage.com forward slash VA to learn more. Freedom Mortgage Corporation, MLS number 2767, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org, 951 Yamato Road, Boca Raton, Florida, 33431, 800-220-3333. Licensed in all 50 states. For complete licensing information, visit www.freedommortgage.com forward slash state dash licensing. Equal housing opportunity.
2: When life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. And at Schnitzel, when life gives you sweet watermelons, delicious wild berries, and refreshing coconuts, you make three thirst-quenching, ice-cold southern lemonades in flavors that you can't resist. And when life gives you crispy bacon, grilled onions, and savory sauces from Texas, Kansas City, and Carolina, you make tasty barbecue dogs. So this summer, when life gives you cravings for deliciousness, head on over to Wienerschnitzel and try our tastes of summer with barbecue dogs and Southern Lemonades today.
1: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call